Welcome to Arc Reactions Podcast. My name is John. And I'm Larissa. And this is episode 144, covering The Mandalorian, episode 2. If you're new to the show, we'll be talking about things we didn't like, followed by things we did like, and finally giving the episode an overall rating. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. We're talking about The Mandalorian, episode 2, so if you haven't seen the series, or at least this far into the series, please pause the episode, go watch it, uh, and come back to us once you've seen the, The Mandalorian episode. So... Larissa, what is your bad thing? Okay, the first thing is, what happened to the Blurg? So he needed to use it in order to get to the location of the bounty in the first place. But then, I don't know, then he just walks back. Quill made made it pretty clear that, oh, you, you need this, you need the Blurg in order to get there. So what happened to it? Yeah, that, that was going to be my bad thing as well, because... He gets he dismounts the blurg in episode one and goes to the edge of the ridge and then he sees the IG unit. So presumably the blurg is up there on the ridge, still perfectly healthy, safe, hopefully not wandering around. Um, so yeah, why didn't he go back and ride the blurg back? Because in the beginning of this episode, we're shown him walking with the baby Yoda and the bassinet, and where yeah, where's the blurg? I mean, unless Quill took it back with them i i don't know the yeah that's presumably what happened is that he got where he needed and he said to quill um you can take the blurg back i I don't need it anymore in which case it goes back to the point of why'd you need it in episode one if you could walk there because obviously he could walk back so he should be able to walk there exactly and i mean unless it's because at that point he would have a another person or another the bounty with him so you're gonna walk back i don't know it kind of just didn't make sense to me i mean we're we're shown in this episode you know when we get to the part with quill again that the blurgs can tow a sled so if they were expecting to have to bring something back that wasn't going to walk on its own bring a sled and tow it on the sled exactly so yeah this that just didn't make a lot of sense to me um aside from that do you have another bad point that you wanted to bring up uh no that that was my uh, my bad point and it to to expand on it just a little bit more it's it feels like a lack of continuity and i didn't really pay attention to who directed the first episode versus who directed the second episode to know if it's the same creative team or if they're swapping out directors and maybe swapping out script writers and such and so maybe it was a failure of you know too many people working on this project without real a really good uh oversight person showrunner that is making sure that all the continuity uh, is there and i'm hoping that's all and i'm hoping that this is just uh an abnormality and going forward everything kind of flows together a little bit better uh in future episodes Cool. Okay. So the other thing that uh, I guess I was noticing was the bassinet seems to move on its own or it floats. And uh, I guess in the Mudhorn battle scene, it seems like, or actually even before that, uh, you can see that uh, the Mandalorian's armor has some kind of panel on his on his uh, like forearm area where he can control at least closing the the front of it, uh, and then in the mudhorn scene, you see him kind of sway his arm to a side to get the the child out of the way of the mudhorn. Uh, so, 
that kind of answers that, that it seems like maybe he's able to move it rather than the child being the one that actually moves it, which brings me to why was the child brought to retrieve the egg? Yeah, that that seems a little bit... Um, I mean, I guess because he didn't have anywhere else to put it, but he could have left it with Quill. I feel like he could have left it with Quill. Like At this point, I feel like Quill has been pretty trustworthy and you know he helped him negotiate with the jawas he helped bring him to the place to even get the bounty in the first place so why wouldn't you leave this 50 year old child with this trustworthy person I mean, to the to this point, until the mudhorn scene, we're we're left to presume that this is a pretty helpless infant. It doesn't talk; it just kind of coos. Um, it can sort of feed itself, um, but like at this point, we don't know until that mudhorn scene that it's capable of doing much of anything. So, yeah, why wouldn't he have left it with the only person he can trust, which is Quill, unless Quill didn't want to babysit and. In which case, that should have been a line, you know, in, somewhere in there so that we know he has to bring him to the Mudhorn scene. But then, of course, the Mudhorn scene would have gone completely different without the Baby Yoda there. That's true. I was just, I guess when it came up, I was just wondering, why is this kid here with him uh, on whatever it was to retrieve this thing that obviously the Jawas don't want to do or can't do? Um, and Quill was waiting for him at the at the sand crawler so he could have probably watched the kid yeah um to go back to your point about the the bassinet i think it has like a follow function so whatever he's got in his uh forearm whether it's like something he put there or he like programmed it to communicate with the bassinet or something like that i think if he doesn't do anything it just kind of follows him at a at a reasonable distance and then like like you said, he can do stuff with the buttons on his forearm or and and hand gestures apparently to make it do something else. So I think that's kind of what we're led to believe after this episode about the bassinet. But that was a pretty cool uh, piece of technology that I would not have thought to put in an episode like this. I probably would have just had him carry the the child. Yeah, I did think that uh, we got to see a lot more with the weapons. Which um, before I get into the good points, my last. Uh questionable or bad thing would be that hey what i said in the first recording uh the the armory his armory got raided he goes back to his his ship or what's left of it and one of the first things he does is open up the doors and what do you know everything's missing i mean everything on his ship is also missing but like he seems so disappointed and like slams the doors close and i mean if there was any better security to safeguard your weapons i i think you know that's where i i mean we're, we're led to believe from star wars episode four that jawas are scavengers and scavengers generally aren't uh technological experts so i feel like if he yeah if he had a good security system on the ship or just pr- frankly locked the ship which i don't we don't know if he did or didn't I feel like they wouldn't be able to get in. They may start trying to strip it from the outside and maybe they had enough time if he did lock the ship to actually strip it enough to get inside. And so maybe he did lock all that stuff up 
and they were just had enough time and were able to break enough stuff and get in. But yeah, it it, it goes back to what you said in the first episode about the uh, mithril just wandering down there and opening it up, having a look, and then closing it back up. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he has the best in the uh, insecurity, which is strange for someone in that p- profession. Yeah. So uh, moving along, um, I'd like to talk about the weapons here. Uh, as as a good point, actually, I feel like in this episode we got a really good glimpse at just more more things that he's got in his uh, armor. So we saw the fire when he, uh, like the flamethrower coming out, off of his arm uh, when he was interacting I, with the Jawas, I think was the first part, maybe? Yeah, I think that was the first time, unless he used it somewhere in episode one that I'm not remembering. And then again with the Mudhorn. Uh, both times not terribly effective. Not not effective, but just something else that we see that he has the ability to use. Uh, we saw the wrist cable a couple more times, uh, and we finally saw that this is definitely a gun. Uh, the, the staff-looking thing with the prong at the end, he used it to disintegrate several Jawas. Uh, and there was also a Trandoshan, I believe, in the, the first battle when they're kind of ambushed in the in the um the canyon uh by like three or four other bounty hunters trying to get the the um the asset and uh yeah and then when you get to the jawa scene you see that it's cartridge loaded and he has the cartridges around his ankle so not an unlimited amount of ammo and also if you play the rpg games what would be considered a slug thrower versus you know an energy weapon which is interesting because most star wars stuff we see are energy weapons. You don't really get to see projectile weaponry in Star Wars very much. So that was kind of interesting to see that this really intricate, super versatile, really powerful weapon is kind of closer to what we have in reality than what we normally see in Star Wars. Still really cool. What's one of your good points? Um, To expand on some of the things I said in episode one, uh, the sand crawler got a major upgrade from what we saw it do in episode four, where we meet the Jawas for the first time. So it moves a lot faster. Um, so fast compared to like, I feel the video games that I've played. Uh, it seems really slow in um, previous movies. It's just crawling sand crawler. It's crawling yeah, and, and this that scene was really fun because you saw all these little windows open up on the side and the jaw was throwing junk down at him. And then like, there was the wrist cable in that scene where he's trying to get to the top of the thing and they're whacking at whatever he attached the wrist cable to and finally knock that off. And then the homage to Indiana Jones and the tank scene from uh, Last Crusade where the driver steers it to the right and nearly smashes him against a rock surface and he has to dive up on the the tread housing. So I really enjoyed that scene. I think that might be, at least at this point, my favorite scene so far uh, in the show. So I really enjoyed the sand crawler. I think I really enjoy the Jawas. Um, I, they just seemed hilarious to me. They, they cackle, they're making, you know, all these different sounds that, I mean, I can't understand the language, but they have a language, which they uh, subtitle for us. Um, I thought the Jawa that was interacting with him for the negotiation was great. He burned him by saying, your Jawa is terrible and you sound like a Wookiee. Um, 
I think they remind me a lot of the minions from uh from Despicable Me. Yeah, that they do a lot. Yeah, I so, wonder if the minions were somewhat based off the Jawas from original Star Wars. Just the their laugh and the way I don't know. There's like a lot of them around, and they kind of kind of group cheer stuff like that. They they I I don't know if that's why I like them, but I thought they were great. Yeah, yeah, I definitely enjoyed the. Uh, the negotiations, yeah, that, like you said, he got burned by the, the head negotiator for the Jawas. And then when they finally come to a settlement, because the Jawas want his armor, which of course isn't going to happen. And then they want the child, which isn't going to happen. So they finally c- say, well, go get us this thing, you know, like a fetch quest in a video game. And then their reaction uh, when one of them says the thing the egg and it's suga and they just start chanting suga 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 yeah that that was hilarious and then of course that's the mudhorn portion of of the show and when he comes back and they just whack open the top and start like dipping the yolk out and, and eating it i'm like ah and but he doesn't say anything but in my mind i'm thinking Oh man, I did all this stuff for them to have a snack. I feel like he did have a sigh or something and kind of just shake shook his head and kind of turned away and kind of the same feeling I think we were all were just kind of like, are you serious? It was for this. <laughs> so, yeah. But like you were saying earlier, I'm pretty sure the Jawas couldn't get that if they tried. Like the, the they work in volume and uh, he, the, the Mudhorn would have just trampled them all and I don't think it would have worked, but yeah, those were uh, those were that was another really great scene I- in the film. Do you want to talk about the mudhorn scene? So we, we finally get to see what the baby Yoda that the baby Yoda can do something in that scene, and uh, that came as a big surprise to all of us watching. What like we thought? Well, it's a baby; it's not going to be able to do anything, and then it can use the Force. The big twist in the in the show so far. Right, and obviously the Mandalorian was also very surprised. He, you know, the the baby Yoda is uh, levitating the the mudhorn and has it suspended in the air, and and the Mandalorian guy is just kind of stunned. He's he 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 only stabs it in in the neck region after the baby Yoda passes out and the mudhorn falls to the ground to the ground and is on its feet again. So obviously this is a strange and surprising thing for him as well. Yeah. I I was a little disappointed that the fight ended that quickly at that point, but I understand why, because the fight was there to just show us that the Mandalorian can't handle this on his own and the baby Yoda helps him. And so it kind of fosters a bond between them that we'll probably see through the rest of the the show. So, but yeah, like he didn't seem to really. He had a tiny little knife. It was a very tiny knife, and like the way he was holding it right before the mudhorn was about to charge, like that was not going to do anything. So it was, a, I guess, a little bit disappointing that it it was just like cool one stab to the neck and it just laid over on its side and died. Um, seemed like it might have needed a little more than that. Yeah, yeah, because you see him when he gets up after it falls over, he kind of twists it and pulls it out, and it's like not reacting at all, like it was already dead. So, yeah, I mean, even if it falls over on its side, I feel like just him taking pistol or a grenade or something and like hitting it in the neck again to ensure that it's dead would have even been fine. Like 
that just a tiny little knife didn't see like it was going to do much. Okay, actually, I just thought of something. Unless the baby Yoda was actually force choking the mud horn, but it didn't, it looked like it was just trying to run in air. So I don't think that's actually what the baby Yoda was doing. But that's the only other thing I can think of where it would have made the mud horn any weaker at that point. Yeah, I, I thought that had that same thought too is like, yeah, he stops the mud horn because it's in full charge. So he stops the mud horn, which is going to take some sort of force, like besides the force, like real world force to get it to stop moving uh, and then lifts it. So, yeah, maybe he was doing something to it internally as well um, because, you know, he's not as trained. He's not trained in the force. He's just able to use it. So maybe by lifting it, he's also kind of crushing it. But we're given no indication from the Mudhorn that it's in pain or anything. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But um, we can headcanon that as he did most of the work and the Mandalorian just finished it off, if if that makes us feel better. And I'm I'm guessing that the baby Yoda, and for lack of better terms, just because I don't... We weren't given a name yet, so it's the bounty or the child, um, but it looks like a Yoda. So we're going to just keep calling it the baby Yoda. Uh, he... It seems to be very aware of what it can do on its own. Like, it didn't really hesitate to put its arm out and stop the mud horn. And then also, like, in a previous scene where uh, it was very in the v- beginning when uh, you see that the Mandalorian has a, a cut on his arm and the baby Yoda is watching him. He's very observant and he gets out of the bassinet and comes to... Um, put his arm out towards him so i mean i suspect this is healing abilities based on um what we see in the last installment for the star wars movies um even though this came out before that yeah but we're recording after we we've seen episode nine so yeah i think the same thing i think that was probably going to be force healing if he hadn't been picked up and put back in the bassinet and then twice and then had it closed on him um so yeah, the, there seems to be it, w- there seems to be a curiosity with the creature. And you're right, we're just going to call it Baby Yoda because a Yoda species doesn't have a name. It's still in Star Wars, like they've not named it. And uh, b it doesn't have a name. So uh, for lack of an, an actual name to call it, we're just going to call it the Baby Yoda. Um, but he's very curious, and like you said, it it seemed like he was going to try and at least comfort the Mandalorian if not actually heal the cut um, and yeah so we'll have to see going forward in the show if there's more of that and I I know we didn't really talk much about the baby Yoda in the first episode but I do really like the baby Yoda he's very uh, persistent or uh, yeah persistent and observant uh, you see that with you know he tried to go to the Mandalorian twice when he saw the cut on his arm. And then uh, you see several clips when he's uh, following around the frogs and then finally just falls on it (laughs) and then, of course, eats it. Uh, But but I like that. And, of course, very cute. So, yeah, I'm really enjoying the characters. Yeah. And, of course, since we've we've already seen Star Wars Episode Nine, we know that the Internet is also in love with Baby Yoda. So. We're in good company there. All the chicky nuggies. Yes. All the chicky nuggies and chalky moo moo juice. <laughs> uh, what else have you got? Um, I mean, there's not really much more to the episode. I mean, other than it's nice to see 
keel again and you know that he's continuing to help the mandalorian and you know the, it, the episode ends with him leaving the planet so presumably we're gonna get to the point where he's gonna turn in the bounty or at least that's the next step for where the story's going so um yeah it'll be interesting to see how these things develop further on in the show so uh do you have a, a rating for the episode I do. I'm I'm going to rate this at 8 out of 10 froggies for the baby Yoda. Um I really enjoyed most of the of the episode aside from the few questions that I had that just for continuity reasons I just didn't understand uh you know why why where did the blur go and why would you bring a baby to to go retrieve an egg. Um but other than that, um, I really enjoy uh, the music was still really great. Um, I thought the fight scene was great, both with the Jawas and with the Mudhorn. And um, I actually really enjoyed the ship repair sequence with the uh, Quill and the Mandalorian as well. So just uh, aesthetically, the movie is or not the movie, the episode is really great. So, yeah, eight out of ten froggies. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with you. Like the again my bad points are continuity quibbles or just uh character choices that i don't understand that i mean looking back at the episode i'm like i understand why they wrote it that way but i don't understand why it would actually transpire that way uh with the baby yoda and the mudhorn battle um and i agree with you it's eight out of ten sugas suga 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 and with that i think i'm gonna go have a, a boiled egg what did you guys think of the episode? Did you enjoy... Are you enjoying The Mandalorian with us? Uh, send us an email at arccreationspod at gmail.com. And you can trample your way over to our Facebook page and leave a like and a comment with your mud horn. And follow, follow us on Twitter at arccreationspod and tumble our way at arccreationspodcast.tumblr.com. You can find the show on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, and more. Once again, a big thank you to Packy for intro and outro music. And our next episode is going to be episode three of The Mandalorian coming on July 5th. Thank you guys for listening. This has been a Cat Interrupted Production.